0: To brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today, I want to tell you about a power that you all have. And I'll be talking today from the subject of the power of amateurs. And within each of us is this power, and I want to reveal it to you and explain it to you upon this day so that you can tap into and you can harness the power of amateurs. And this message, it is the third in a series of seven messages that really were derived from my experience at the Tour Championship here in Atlanta, Georgia. I took my nine-year-old son and we went there and we went primarily to see one man, in the tour championship, it comprises 30 of the top money winners of golf in the world. And the main man that we went to see that we'd never seen in the flesh, but had seen on television countless times, was Tiger Woods. And, and as we found him, and as we followed him, revelation after revelation came just on the experiences of Life and how they relate to the parables of the God course. And you can listen to this complete series of messages on airjesus.com. Message number one was entitled, Like a Lion. It is message number 5283. Message number two was entitled, Hazards on the Course of Life. It is message number 5284. And today's message is number three, message number 5285, on Air Jesus. Dot com. And the first day that we went to the tournament, it actually was the practice round. And oftentimes in virtually all of the professional golf tournaments, they will have at least one day, if not more than one day, of where all of the pros will come and they will have an opportunity to go around the course and to play so that they'll practice and so that they can get familiar with the course and, and so they will know how the course plays. How many of you all wish that you had some, some practice in life? How, how your know, wish you know, that there was some things that you could have gone through and just if you'd have known this and have played this thing before and could have had, you know, sometimes practice does allow us to learn some things and, and practice hopefully will allow us to get some things in our mind and spirit so we won't make some mistakes when the real thing comes along. So there's a practice day at most golf tournaments and normally With golf tournaments, there's a foursome. Four men or four women will play in the team together, and they will go around the golf course as a team of four. And as we were following Tiger Woods on this day, Tiger was playing with three other golfers. And normally in a practice round, they're all pros. But for this particular tournament, Tiger was playing with three amateurs. And usually they had the amateurs, they were, weren't just regular amateurs, they were rather well-known men in the community who were getting a chance to play a round of golf with Tiger Woods. So we were following Tiger, and Tiger was playing with three other amateurs. And the amateurs, one of them was Senator Saxby Chambliss. And, and Saxby Chambliss is 62 years old. The other one was Gene Lee. He's, he's president of the Longhorn Steakhouse chain, and he's 43 years old. And the other one was Tom Ryan. So here they were, three men, politician, businessmen, middle-aged or older, senior in, in age. And here they were playing with absolutely, arguably the best golfer in the world, not only the best golfer currently, but most experts said the best golfer who has ever lived. So here they were, three amateurs playing with Tiger Woods. And Tiger just turned 30 years old at the peak of his career. And for those of you who don't know, let me kind of explain to you how the scoring in golf works. Because if you're not familiar, then you don't know. Some sports, the higher the score, the better. For those of you who follow football or basketball, baseball or hockey or tennis or any of those sports, Well, you know, if a team in basketball, if one team has 100 points and the other team has 80 points, then the team with the 100 points wins the game. In those sports, the higher the score is, the better you're doing. Well, there are some sports where the lower the score is, the better you're doing. And golf is one of those sports. And racing or swimming or any time sport, track, all of those sports, the lower your score is, the better you're doing. And with golf... Golf holes, normally the normal golf course has 18 holes, and every hole is rated based on a par. And a par is the number of strokes or the number of swings of your golf club that it would take a professional to get the ball from the tee to where you start off in the hole. And the lowest possible score that you could ever have on any hole is one, and that's called a hole-in-one. But normally golf courses, they're, they're, the, the holes are part either of three, four, or five, meaning it should take either three hits, four hits, or five hits to get the ball from the tee to the hole. And most courses, they have a par totally of 72 for the 18 holes. So here I was, my son and I, walking around this golf course, looking at Tiger Woods, playing with three amateurs that basically no one really heard of in terms of actually the golf game because that's not their profession. They were just amateurs. And yet, when we got to the end of the course, I saw something that absolutely shocked me and was a major revelation. During the course and along the course, there's a fellow who walks around with a Pole, and on the pole, it's a big white poster board. And on the poster board are the scores of each of the members of the, the team. And as I walked and looked around, there they had Tiger's score at the end of those 18 holes. And it had for Tiger, minus three. And that meant that Tiger was three under par. It, it means that, that, that he had hit. Three less strokes than what was normally deemed perfect for a professional. It means that he had done three better than perfect. So here Tiger was walking around with a score of minus eight. And I said, that's pretty good. And, and normally if you follow golf, they'll play a four or five rounds of 18 holes. And if he shoots minus three each round at the end of four rounds, he'd be minus 12. And that's the way golf is scored. And whoever has the biggest minus figure wins the tournament. And as I was looking at Tiger and looking at his score, and C. Elijah was there with me. And, and, and as I looked at the, the amateurs, they had their score as a team. And when I looked at their score, it shocked me. Tiger Woods, the best golfer in the world, the best golfer who has ever lived. A- at the peak of his career, Tiger Woods was minus three. And here come these amateurs. And the fellow holding up the pole with their score, they were minus eight. And I said, whoa, these amateurs are beating the mess out of the best golfer in the world. But how was it? And what was the secret? What was the key? of why the amateurs were able to beat the best in the world. And these were not even pro-ams. They they weren't even pro-amateurs. They were just regular folk who played golf every now and then, but yet they were beating the mess out of the best golfer who ever lived. I'll tell you why they were beating. They were playing as a team. And they would take... Whoever had the best score of the round, of the whole, and that would be the score that they would, would count. Tiger was playing by himself. They were playing as a team. And as a team, amateurs could defeat the best in the world by themselves. It was the power of amateurs. Yet, it was the power of... Of unity God says that one could put a thousand to flight but two could put how many to flight ten thousand God said even though one is mighty and one and see first of all people you have to be powerful just to put a thousand to flight for one individual to put a thousand to flight it meant this was not a wimp if you because Samson took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men. One put a thousand to flight. Here was Samson back when he said two is ten times stronger than even a mighty man of valor. One could put a thousand to flight. Two could put ten thousand. Tiger Woods, the best golfer in the world, was no match for amateurs in unity. And as I saw that, I saw the revelation of what God was talking about when we can get on one accord with anyone and in unity. And if there are things in your life that you want to do and and, and things that you're trying to do and yet you, you, you don't know why you can't get it done, maybe you're not in unity with someone. If there are goals that you're trying to reach, and and, and yet you find out you're trying to do all of this stuff all by yourself. And you may be a mighty person. You may be able to put a thousand to flight. But if you ever can get on one accord with anybody about anything, you can do ten times more. And you can beat the best in the world if you can just get on one accord. And God even talks about it even in those verses that I'm, a, I'm about to, 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 to read. But, but even people in our homes and in our households, parents, do you know what you could do with your children if you just were on one accord? And sometimes what children will do, if daddy tells them they can't do something, they'll go to mama. If mama tells them they can't do something, they'll go to daddy. Because they know that mama and daddy's not in full agreement on this thing. See, even children have sense enough to know when you're not in unity, yeah. and they know that if you're not in unity, I can see a crack, I can see a split, I see a weakness, and I'm going to play off of the weakness. And the child will go in and he'll play off of the weakness and get his way because the child, though they may not be educated, may not have a doctorate degree, no masters, no bachelor, no no high school degree, hadn't even come school, even when they are still in kindergarten, they have sense enough to know when you're not in unity. And even a child in kindergarten will exploit the weakness of disharmony. And they'll go and go to the one and they'll get their way because they know mama and daddy not in agreement. And even in your household, you're facing some of the best folk in the world. Every time you pass by and drive past a fast food restaurant with all of the greasy, fattening, salted food that's terrible for you, do you know those kids just go to holler about they want to go there? Why? Because some of the best marketers in the world have been influencing the minds and the spirits. You're up against the best in the world. So how do you deal with facing your kids and their? They're being inundated with the best in the world. But if they know mama and daddy are silently in agreement, and there is no gap, and there is no weakness, and there is no crack, they know and they can sense the unity. You can beat the best in the world in anything. But you must have the power of being on. One accord. And in Genesis, the 11th chapter, we all know the story, but, but just to emphasize it and to show you again, it's the Tower of Babel. Genesis, the 11th chapter, beginning at the first verse. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. God said, look here. These people are on one accord. And he said, and there is nothing that they even imagine to do that they won't be able to do. Because He said, look, look, we got to go down here and confuse these folk else they're going to build a tower up here to heaven. And I know you're saying and from just knowing and understanding physics, it's impossible to build a tower to heaven. It's just absolutely impossible. When I flew a plane, I flew a Cessna 152. It had a ceiling of 14,000 feet. That means you'd go up to 14,000 feet if the air was cold. If it was hot, it wouldn't climb that high. But... Even then, I went up real high. I didn't see heaven. Now, they're talking about they're going to build a tower up that high. How in the world? See, first of all, by my mind, it is absolutely impossible to build a tower to heaven. But I don't have anybody on want to call with me about building a tower to heaven. <laughs> if there was a whole nation... A whole people... See, I can't even imagine my... And I have a very vivid and a very good imagination. I can't even imagine trying to build a... T- see, when you're not on one accord, when you don't have the support, when you don't have the unity and some stuff you can't even imagine doing. I can't even imagine trying to... I don't even see in a point of physics how it's even possible. I cannot even visualize it. But if a whole people were together... On an idea to where as an individual it was utterly impossible. God says nothing they even imagined will be restrained from them. God didn't even use correct grammar. G- God says, he said, behold, the people is one. You know, now that, that's incorrect grammar all day long. Anytime the subject is plural, the, the, the verb is always are. It should be the people are one. God said he said them folk is on one accord. You understand that? God used even improper grammar. He said the people is one. God used a verb that was reference to a singular subject. He didn't even see them as plural. He saw them as one. He called, He said, the people is one. And when you get on one accord in anything that you attempt to do. My father said, he said before he was married, he said, if I can just get one somebody who thinks as I think and can see the vision, there's nothing in the world that I cannot do. If you can just get on one accord with just even one person, things that you now deem to be impossible, you start to see coming within your vision. And God said, look, we, we have to go down here. We got to confound them because else they'll, they'll build a tower. Heaven and, and, and see the tallest building right now is actually over in Taiwan. It's sixteen hundred and seventy-one feet tall. That's nowhere near heaven. Man with all of his engineering technological skills still can't get close to building a tower in to heaven. I know you pass Pastor, that's impossible. It's impossible because there's no group of people on one accord. I've got news for you. There's no church on one accord. Even do you know there are over seventy different denominations, all from this one book. There are over seventy different denominations from this one Bible, and many of them are mutually exclusive. What do you mean mutually exclusive? They all say, "Look, we we the only ones right, and everybody else dead wrong, and gonna bust hell wide open." So, and this is all from the same book, and it's not just Christianity. Every other religion that you study is the same way. I don't care what religion you go to, they have factions, separations, divisions, denominations, splits, that they cannot get on one accord. Even in a spiritual sense, even the holy men cannot get on one accord. And as a result, there are so many things that are withheld from us just because as a people, we can never get in unity. But if you can just get in unity, see, the first phrase is just to get in unity with just one person. That's why Jesus never sent the disciples out by themselves. He always sent them out two by two. And if you can get on one accord with just one person, and, and when you realize what God said, his real purpose was not to confuse the language. He said, let me go down and confound the language so they can't understand each other. And that is the real key and indication when you know you are not in unity. You hear it all the time. And you'll hear the cold word of the Tower of Babel so much in life. I just can't understand that woman. I just can't understand, man. <laughs> These teenagers, I just can't. He said, "Let me confuse the language so that they cannot understand each other. And when you cannot understand, see, even even to have clear vision and clear purpose and clear direction, you need understanding. That's why the Bible even says, it's a get wisdom, but in all thy getting, get understanding. And when you don't have understanding with anyone who you're trying to do something with, there's always a problem that'll crop up. Because both of you see different purposes for the same thing, and as a result, you're often liable to go off in different directions. And if you can just get understanding, you find that some of the things that you've been warning will come to be. And you see, people, this is just when we get in unity with our fellow man or woman. But the same principle applies when we get in unity with God. You see, the three amateurs who were playing with Tiger, they were playing their best ball. When we get in unity with God, we play God's best ball. And it changes our whole score. But the problem is... We generally won't get in unity with God because we want to do our own thing. I've had God to tell me to tell people different things. And I'll ask, I said, look, why don't you just tell them? Why you want to send me to tell them? Why don't you just speak to them and you tell them? And this is what God said. It's deep. He said, they won't listen to me. I said, well, if they won't listen to you... What make you think they're going to listen to me? And oftentimes, we won't play God's best ball. We want our own way to do our own thing. And and oftentimes, when when people come to me for advice and counseling, and about 85% of the time, they're in a real mess. So when I'll tell them what to do, either out of wisdom or out of divine direction, nine out of ten times, they don't want to do it. And I'll tell them, i said, look. If you knew what to do in the first place, you wouldn't be here. If the stuff that you knew was working, you wouldn't be here. So it ought to let you know something you know—something about what you've been doing. Something's not right. But they just don't want to do what God... T- they want to do what they want to do. I just don't want to do that. And if you cannot get in unity with God's will and with God's word, you'll never win. If you get in unity with his will and with his word, you can beat the best in the business. Because Satan is pretty good at his business. I, I, I'll have you to know that. He's, he's pretty good. He's, he's experienced bare minimum. He was in the garden. So bare minimum, he's got 5,000 years of experience. And he's got, I always tell people, if you're going to get advice, yes, advice from someone who's successful in what they're doing. He's good. He's good and he's successful at what he's doing because he has more people than God the word says that so he's got more people than God that, Satan's good so if you're going to think you're going up against Satan all by yourself <laughs> with your little wisdom with your little power and if you think you're going to beat this rascal all by yourself he's got some tricks that you haven't even heard of he's got some stuff that you haven't even you need a partner But you need... To be able to listen and to heed your partner and to play God's best ball. But but there's a physical manifestation of being in unity with God. It'll put you in unity with other people. It'll put you in unity as a couple. And whenever you are one, you become ten times stronger than what you are by yourself. That's why God told Adam, it's not good for me. To be alone. And it's not good. And it's not talking about romantic relationship. But you need to be partnering with a partner to do whatever you need to do great if you want to take it to the tenfold level in life. If you need to hear this message again, simply go to airjesus.com. This is message number 5285. You can also email it to a friend at... Absolutely, at no charge at airjesus.com. Message number 5285. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the Word. (laughs) Amen, amen, and amen, amen. And for those of you who, at disunity with your partner, go get on one accord and watch stuff change in your world and watch your score in life change for the better